0: Scheduling errors, of course, none of which were my fault. But you know, now that we're here, I hate to say it, but Joe Biden mania is gripping America much in the same way that regular mania is gripping Joe Biden. I mean, where do we even start?
1: Well, what I was gonna say is like everything that I worried about with the Pete Buttigieg surge from um, you know New Hampshire or uh, Iowa has happened with Joe Biden, and the numbers have fucking completely flipped. So I, I picked the wrong centrist candidate, and. The the thing that I have been thinking about this entire time on the show, we are constantly arguing back and forth whether or not it is incompetence or corruption that causes the Democratic Party to be a, a failure when it comes to up, opposing the rise of fascism or bettering the lives of everyone in the country. And we, we've also argued that, you know, it doesn't really matter. Effectively, they're both the same thing. But what happened with Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropping out shows that it is it is in fact not incompetence. It is absolutely one hundred percent purposeful. I believe that they are enacting the Powell memo and they are one hundred percent managing the decline of American civilization or American middle class uh, comfort for the purposes
0: of enriching the uh, wealthy elite. So, I mean, I'm going to put you right. Th- I like where you're at, John. You know, I like where you're at because that's, that's probably all true, but it sounded really conspiratorial the way you said it. You know, it sounded it sounded really <laughs> like you were about to go off on some sort of like anti uh, Freemason rant, and that always appeals to me. No, no, no. But I know, I know, I know, but I actually agree with you 100%, not because of the reasons I said and how they appeal to me, but because you're right. And I mean, I would only add that I think that, you know, you expected the search for Buttigieg. You, well, no one expected the search for Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar. But like, I will still say, I think Joe Biden was like their last choice insofar that they could agree upon anything. It was that they were hoping another candidate was going to, you know, distance themselves from the pack that was not Joe Biden. Right. Cause I mean, yeah, at a certain point, it became it was clear that Joe Biden's campaign was in free fall, Right, he didn't do any better than third place. Yeah, so I mean, you were correct in the sense that there was no indication that Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar were going to drop out based on previous, you know, previous trends. Right, because it's, it's, I think yeah. this is the first time that anybody who's placed, you know, first and or second at, in Iowa and then second in New Hampshire has dropped out of the race before Super Tuesday. And so yeah. it's clear that there was a coordinated effort to. Push Joe Biden over the line in terms of Super Tuesday results because it, you know, but for Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropping <laughs> uh Buttigieg dropping out, like he, he like, like none of them were going to be viable to the degree necessary to like to defeat Sanders, right? So there was definitely calls made, you know, I, that's
2: clear. Yeah, uh, whatever you know, unsort or like uh, unnamed sources have reported that in the typical publications that do the, the continue.
0: Well, no, I mean it, it could have been Obama. I, I definitely, think, I definitely believe that it. With Obama, but more, but more so than who it was, right? Which is like what they were offered, right? So I, I think it was clear that Pete Buttigieg was going nowhere on Super Tuesday. He just did not have the the support in the South. He had put all his money into making a big splash in Iowa and New Hampshire, and as John pointed out, the momentum never really mat- uh, materialized after that. So he was he was just not going to be viable in the South. And so you know, going into Super Tuesday, it was his best shot to leverage whatever. Whatever capital he had gained so far in the race to position himself to be better – well, essentially, to position himself to be better positioned in 2024, 2028 to run again yeah. and to have a seat in the Biden administration. Same with Klobuchar. Right.
1: That was fucking brilliant. I mean, I have to say, out of all the political maneuverings this entire cycle, Pete Buttigieg doing that – was while it's you know completely one hundred percent fucking rat mode, uh, for his own best interest, that was absolutely brilliant. Be- you don't have any of the stink from failing to get any votes of people of color from Super Tuesday that would have absolutely happened and been a repeat of Nevada, and instead you're just gone. You're just putting your your support behind another candidate, and you get to then reap
0: the success of that candidate. Like a fucking thief in the night. Like Pete Buttigieg <laughs> came into the race, uh, stole victory or stole the illusion of victory in Iowa and disappeared yep. before two Super Tuesday when that myth that he was viable as a candidate would have been absolutely destroyed. A- uh, yeah, I mean, it was god tier, god tier rat rat king mode.
2: No, I just added also, yeah, like uh, it, it gives him the opportunity to inherit Biden's uh, support among the black community, like through osmosis in that way. It's so like
0: black Biden's got from uh, you know from Obama. We haven't even spoken since before uh, South Carolina, and that was the race that I, with the primaries, I was kind of dreading a little bit because I knew what was going to happen more or less going into South Carolina, uh, and I I knew what the narrative coming out of South Carolina was going to be right it was like uh, now that we have gotten to the races where black people are people of color quote-unquote are actually voting we see that Joe Biden's viability is a lot higher than you know people were initially estimating him at and like it's just because they were underestimating people of color and like in like their voice and like that was I that was already geared to pissing me
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, but the thing was, is like immediately you had pundits saying like, oh, now that the electorate looks more and more like America at large. And like they've done studies on what America at large looks like compared to every state. And, you know, that's the thing. South Carolina doesn't look like it. It's like it's like in the, the 20s or something, whereas, you know,
0: Nevada is the fifth most representative state of the entirety of the United States. I knew it was going to be the narrative coming out of South Carolina. Uh, Once Clyburn fucking endorsed Biden, once, you know, we got an older blacker population voting and it was going to be able to argue that, Hey, you know what? Biden, you see, he is the candidate of people of color. And now that we have them voting, we can see where Biden's real viability lies, you know, uniting, (laughs) uniting a diverse coalition of voters behind himself in leading us, the party into the future and not having like just all white Bernie bro, uh, supporter base and i was like that's fucking madness right because even at the, the smallest level right, right at the most basic level biden his career is riddled with transgressions against the black community uh he now has the endorsement of mayor stop and frisk uh as well as Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, who also have uh, black marks on their record when it comes to racial justice, according to the Black Lives Matter uh, protesters in their own own cities and states. And so it's, and there's been this concerted effort from the beginning to erase Bernie Sanders' uh, diverse coalition behind him. So I was like, okay, well, coming out of the, uh, South Carolina, the narrative is gonna be, well, Biden has this all black firewall behind him. and. I was like, "This is going to be disgusting," because again, at the ba- another basic level, he's not even offering black people anything. It's like he's not he's not getting this firewall because he has a you know a nuanced and deeply considered plan for racial equality and justice. He's just inheriting Obama clout, and very few pundits are going to be willing to actually engage with the reality of what that means.
2: I was just going to say quickly that uh, there are reports that. Uh, Biden hadn't even actually reached out to Clyburn prior to leading like the moments leading up to South Carolina and that the endorsement came uh, as uh, with pressure from uh, the party apparatus. And also I would say as well that there's a very practical dimension for black politicians in the south and that if they some if they did rally be or if they didn't endorse uh, the establishment ticket which turned in which was biden at that point they would have end up completely shut out of the political process if biden then went on to win uh, regardless and so that's a, a very dangerous uh, gamble for those people and so i think that that's also part of the decision making but whether they're you know uh, Cynical actors or they're just kind of uh, following along with something that they believe there's it points to a fundamental inability of liberalism itself to be able to fight fascism based uh, ideologically uh, around the formations of how they engage politically. And also how they engage with the, the ideas at, at large. And then I would also say one of the important points, it was just how I think almost everybody discounted the idea that we would really end up with the party uniting behind Biden. Like we all knew that he was the favorite, but the presumption I think from a lot of folks going into the primary process at large was just that any sort of scrutiny and him being the front runner was going to result in him eventually his poll numbers and his support declining and some new uh, face kind of representing all the rhetoric that was coming out of establishment kind of mouthpieces in media and otherwise. But uh, the old guard was able to, uh, I guess, hold enough ground that they were able to that keep Joe Biden in has been kind of flabbergasting, I think, for a lot of people. And the, I think South Carolina was a key part of that. And then uh, the, apparently the connection with Obama was much stronger than anybody had suspected, not just because uh, that showed the support for Biden, but that, that the only person that was really able to peel any support away from Biden was uh, Bernie Sanders. All the other candidates were in single digits and often low single digits. And Warren certainly made a concerted effort in South Carolina with both organizing and uh, reaching out. And to see her perform so poorly there indicates that it wasn't necessarily a, a just a policy as well as, uh, the as you mentioned, the, the conservative nature of uh, the South Carolina voters generally, but also uh, about yeah. the kind of larger narrative of wanting to back the person that the party was going to back that way, you know, uh, that they were seen as supporters of the person that was going to be in power later rather than uh, voting perhaps their consciousness or their preferred policy. Because even in a lot of those states, things like Medicare for all uh, polled uh, much better than Bernie did.
1: It was a 10-point gap between for Medicare for All and against Medicare for All lawyers. Every state up until South Carolina, it had been much bigger. And I think just about every state since, it has been much bigger. South Carolina had the lowest margin of victory of Medicare for All as a policy. You know,
0: South Carolina hasn't voted for a Democrat in the general since 1962, I believe basically every candidate was touting the diverse coalition that they were putting together uh, prior to even going into South Carolina and having these like, yep. diverse states, these quote-unquote, the diverse states voting, right? Because Nevada uh, mm. got erased from that conversation. The the Latino, the success of Bernie Sanders with the, his Latino outreach and his Latino turnout has just generally been erased in the aftermath yep. of Super Tuesday in Nevada. And stuff.
1: Shout out to Chuck Rocha for all his hard work there.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, like yeah. they, they did a really, really good job. And one of the things that made me. So I was prepared for post-South Carolina. I was like, okay, well, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the entirety of people of color in America being boiled down specifically to older Black people in the South, right? And- even more so than that, we're not going to even engage with why those people might be voting for Joe Biden. We're not going to be able to have a real conversation about like, is Joe Biden offering them anything that is, rather, is Joe Biden offering the Black community, especially the older Black community, anything that is uniquely appealing to them? Or is he just riding off of the inertia of the Democratic Party? Because we know that the older Black community is going to be, the, I don't mind saying it, they're the people who are most likely to kind of turn out and vote in the Democratic election for the Democratic nominee,
2: period. Demographically and electorally, uh, it. it- really raises the point that uh latino voters are going are a larger portion and are already like more split between republicans and democrats whereas uh, black voters have been solidly democrat and so like the democratic party certainly owes black voters a lot that it hasn't delivered on but they're the yeah, exactly. They're the least likely to go anywhere else. They're more likely just to not turn out, if anything. So, so,
0: and also Latino yeah. vote. I'm like the Latino voters are low propensity voters. Uh, and yeah, so, and like, and so being able to turn them out has a lot. And I want to say a lot more value because we're not weighing one vote versus the other. But being able mm-hmm. to, like, but like being able to turn them out is more of a matter of because they're not like traditionally Democrats, culturally Democrats all the time. It's more of a matter of actually engaging with they are their my you know with their material concerns, with their social concerns, with things like right. abolishing ICE, with things like you know amnesty It's the same with the younger black community where you can't just you know you can't just rely on a mythologized version that a lot yeah. of the black people have of the civil rights movement and their place in it and also you know barack obama asked like the ultimate goal of the civil rights movement because like that's an aspect of this too Right, you know, like the Democratic Party is very happy to traffic, and this is for me to say, John. Me and Richard to say, not you. But I know, (laughs) I know. The Democratic Party is very happy to traffic in this narrative that like the black person is like the older black voter in the South who will vote Democrat 10 times that attend, no matter who you put in front of them. And you don't really have to promise them anything, right? You don't have to really promise them any real uh, racial equality platform. You don't have to promise them anything. You can just kind of take that vote for granted for like, you know, no one, To this day, we still haven't investigated Pete Buttigieg's fake black endorsements. Just in early mm -hmm. February, Joe Biden was lying and saying, I'm sorry, misremembering and saying that he was arrested with Nelson Mandela, right? Like like he's like, we have a whole new Mandela effect now where it's no longer whether you believe Nelson Mandela died in jail. It's whether you believe Joe Biden, whether you remember Joe Biden was arrested with Nelson Mandela in South Africa or not
2: forgot Kamala Harris existed when he said that he was like endorsed by the only (laughs) he's right. Now it's true. Now it's true. (laughs) Maybe, maybe he's just clairvoyant. That's
1: what we're actually saying. That could (laughs) be he's, he's from the future. That's why his brain doesn't work. He
0: see, he's seeing in in four dimensions, Benjamin Button shit. That's no, no it was like Doctor Manhattan, like his brain. Oh yeah, yeah. Able to, see, yep. able to see the past, present, and future at all at one time. But we're not able to say that anymore because Joe Biden has stigmata, and so now it's ableist to so <laughs> make fun of him or some shit. They should have never taught white people that they can be oppressed. Like this is this is what happened. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad <laughs> idea. When you teach white people that they can be oppressed, is no no good can come from it. Cuomo coming out and
1: saying, "Yeah, I'm going to make a whole bunch of Purell with the slave labor," and like the number of like. Prominent white women in media and, and online who are saying, "Oh, yay, we're gonna see this is how someone should take care of the coronavirus." And I'm just like, "Oh,
0: instead of making toilet wine, they can make Purell now. That's perfect." You know, forget about how we're we going to abolish prisons if we have a global pandemic, right? You got to put them. In. No, but just the other point, it's like it's it's quite it's quite possible we'll never know what happened in California until at least you know. I would say. Or Texas for another two weeks or so, which that speaks again to your idea of you know is it incompetence or is it malice or is it just like corruption? It's like well, at a certain point, if he, consistently whenever Bernie Sanders wins a state, it requires you know it requires extra time to count those votes, and you know uh, he did. We just can't say how much he won by until it's way too late to capitalize on that narrative. Then again doesn't quite doesn't doesn't quite matter the same
2: it's quite remarkable like specifically in california that if you you know follow the ap then bernie is projected to win if you follow cnn or i don't know cnn actually currently but msnbc last time i checked uh they didn't have a projected winner, and Fox News does have one as Bernie Sanders. So it's just like we talk. There's a lot of talk about different narratives and and uh, facts and people operating under different sets of facts, and it just boils down to like which news source you're trusting will result in who won various elections in this country. Just in the Democratic side, so it just speaks poorly for what's to come moving forward. But continue.
1: One of the the biggest problems that I saw in the demographics and and part of the narrative that we've been seeing is like, you know, young people didn't turn out. And that's not true. Young people as a percentage Um, over their 2016 was up for the most part across the board on Super Tuesday. But what really, really fucking turned out was people over 65 in numbers that we were not expecting. And so as we all know, like that's a a 75 to 80% Biden demographic. Um, And they really came the fuck out. And I think that a large part of that has to do with the fact that for four years on the major networks that they sit and watch all day, long you've heard nothing but trump 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 trump's the antichrist trump's evil trump 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 and so they come voting out of fear and the number one thing that that uh according to exit polling um showed for those demographics was that they believed that Joe Biden was best positioned to beat Donald Trump. Not because polling of individual voters saying, who would you pick before Donald Trump or, or uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders, which always shows Bernie Sanders has a large margin, but just this whole fucking pundit brain bullshit that people play, which is who do you think is best positioned? Oh, well, I like Bernie. And most of them did, like all his policies like felt that he understood. Their struggles felt that he would has the best policy to fix their struggles but they felt that donald uh, donald trump was easily beatable by joe biden and so that that turnout from fear combined with that whole pundit brain bullshit that msnbc and cnn have all been putting out no matter what polling says shows that we have a real fucking problem on our hands and it's the same problem that we've been i've talked about for years about how like you put a retiree in front of Fox News 24 hours a day and they're gonna get more racist. Well, you've got the same situation at MSNBC. You put someone in front of MSNBC for 24 hours a day and they're they're going to become as divorced from reality as a Fox News person.
0: Oh no, I agree with you, right? And so like I remember um, an anthropologist named David Graeber in an article about 2016, but just broadly about our electoral culture in America. He said that, you know, more than a popularity contest, it's the kind of weird popularity contest where people are trying to guess how other people are or who like people aren't voting for who they like the most people are voting for who they think other people like the most where there is a certain I don't know, there's a certain shame we put especially on poor people, if, you know, or people who are marginalized if they choose to act outside the status quo, that like they are somehow going against the, you know, against the grain by voting along however they might vote for. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of pressure actually out there to vote with the electability argument, which is foisted upon people by a series of metrics that don't really exist. But that goes to your other point, your other question, John, that I want to actually address about like, well, you know bernie in south carolina people have been asked, like, what could bernie do in south carolina what could bernie have done in florida well in a certain point a certain i mean at a certain point and a certain with certain of these demographics like and like the older black community uh and here the village in florida you know like the retirement village in florida at a certain point and this is why i think a lot of lessons that people are trying to throw out there don't really work is that a certain populations just are not going to be winnable with the resources that we have under the current political climate that we have it's like certain populations and-
1: but every wait, but every single one of those fucking people, those those groups that you just mentioned, is not going to give the general election to the Democrats.
0: Exactly, exactly, and that's like, and that's like, and that's the strategic argument if you're thinking about this from like uh from like okay, well, how do, who are we best position ourselves to beat the, who to beat uh to beat Donald Trump, which is not necessarily what we're people doing, but if they're going by that metric, then like fifty four percent of white women voted for fucking Donald Trump, I, like fifty four percent. Well, I mean, honestly, we're going to get to Elizabeth Warren soon, so you can you can save your ire but like but just addressing her this folding her and folding Pete Buttigieg and folding you know everyone who's not Joe Biden everyone who's not Bernie Sanders into this conversation about how to appeal to these communities it's like well here's the thing it's like Joe Biden did not appeal to them with the language of intersectionality or any sort of academic you know fluffy uh, social justice activist language he appealed to them by leaning on certain like key figures in the black community and also weaponizing Obama clout like he didn't do anything to win them really like like Joe Biden didn't even fucking campaign in super tuesday states yeah joe biden didn't campaign in the states like he got a lot of free media or or rather earned media in those states and he's coasting off of obama cloud and a lot of people don't even know that obama did not endorse him formally
2: the obama endorsement has gone to several different people depending on like if you ask people like (laughs) they don't know but several people think that different he's endorsed several different candidates
0: absolutely including
2: bernie based on the latest round of commercials which i think is
0: great I know I, I like, and I think that there's room to weaponize public perception of what Obama is about against Joe Biden and also kind of Obama if done properly, right? Because going back to the conversation, how do you win this older black vote? Like you can't really because they're so deeply ingratiated with the Democratic Party power structure. Like, they vote along line with like, just with the status quo, right? So that was well, always going to be-
2: fair. Yeah, that's literally the only people that have delivered any sort of moderate or like any modicum of uh, progress or results has been through that, like, there, there is no other option for them as exactly far as
0: they can see, yeah exactly I, I don't disagree with that exactly and so like in the lessons that people were trying to i mean at least one lesson people were trying to lay out there was supposed to be something about like how uh, bernie sanders still hasn't made race central to his argument i'm like but that's not why joe biden was winning the black vote it's like joe biden didn't make a race unless you mean the crime bill central to his like the you know his platform it's like you would have a better argument that uh, that bernie or Sanders. Corn pop or Corn Pop, or any number of, like, Ornita Hill, or any number of things that he's done, like, like that wasn't central to his argument. Like, you would have a better chance of making the argument that, like, the language that Democratic Party normally uses to win Black, like, is what matters to Black people. If, like, Elizabeth Warren, who... Did, just did terribly in those states uh, had done better because that was something she incorporated into her campaign. And in many ways, that's kind of what fooled her into thinking black support was coming because she, she had a lot of this like grass top activist support, but it didn't materialize to uh, fucking grassroots people of color support. Like she you know, she had a lot of derays on her staff telling her that, you know, the key is hot sauce in a purse and fucking wearing a blue vest, but like that's also not effective. And so the only two people who are really in play for the, the black vote at all were Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And so when you put that in the context of Joe Biden has a level of black support, just by, like unearned black support by nature of Obama mission being like the Democrat in the race, then you can really say, okay, well, Apart from that, looking at how successful Bernie Sanders has been with the people of color community, specifically low propensity voters like younger blacks and Latinos, then like there must be something that he's doing that Joe Biden is incapable of doing because we know those people are generally okay with with like we're generally okay with Bernie Sanders and will also be okay with most likely any Democrat who runs. If that makes any right. sense. Sorry for going on that.
1: No, it does. But th- I think that 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 speaks to the larger divide again. Bernie Sanders has a fucking problem with old people. And oh yeah, I. I- personally believe i think that that stems largely from the fact of where bernie sanders and certain campaign took off in 2016 was the internet he did had no media attention given to him he had ran virtually no advertisements on tv he took off with young people on the internet because of the choice of news uh, as pew did a research in 2016 showed that people over 60 get the majority of their information whether it's news entertainment or whatnot from television and people under 60 get the majority from the internet and that's where he is strongest and that's where his message is able to get across because it's a more nuanced format and I know that people are gonna say well disinformation or like screaming at each other or snake emojis but fuck all that really you can read articles online you can read a, a screenshot on Facebook you can read a post on Instagram that will give you a much more nuanced position than Dr. Johnson on television saying that Bloomberg isn't an oligarch right so you know there's are two different messaging centers and two completely antithetical messages being delivered through through the mediums of our age and one Bernie has crushed and the other one he's not. And so what do we do? Do we just wait for all these fucking old people to die or do we start talking to them about the things that they care about on television, which I believe is Just
0: hammering, hammering, hammering Social Security from this point forward. Like there is something to be said about Bernie not being able to appeal to those voters on, you know, like just because of how deeply ingrained they are with the Democratic Party and just the more conservative aspects of the Democratic Party, too. Right. You can't pretend like Bernie can appeal to like everybody with the message that he's trying to say. However, and here is the here is the exception. Social Security and Medicare. Right, because from my perspective, there is no justification for why, like Joe Biden, from his own mouth, advocating for cuts to social security, saying the N word, you know, like, or rather, you know, like doing his, you know, his his normal Joe Biden shit, should not have been plastered all over the television screen in South Carolina. Like, there is no reason why, like Joe Biden, like there shouldn't have been a commercial with Joe Biden, like calling the cut for social security forty years ago, then calling the cut social security thirty years ago, then calling the cut social security. 20 years ago, they're going to cut social securities 10 years ago. We should not have been a few, five like, years, five ago. years ago. Should not have been on every, you know, on every old person's television in fucking South Carolina and in the South. Not just because it would have been a good strategy to win, but because there's been a lot of misinformation and disinformation about where Joe Biden stands and, and like, and that's like, and that's where it becomes dangerous. Like, people deserve to know what do you like the fact that Joe Biden is about cutting social security? He's been about that his entire life. And And he's a fucking liar.
2: He, He constantly talks about working with Republicans on his most charitable interpretation of that cutting Social Security and balancing the budget has been one of the primary places where he's done that or been wanting to do that.
0: Exactly. Hell, he said he'd have a vice president who is a Republican. I mean, Joe Biden put out his fucking cabinet list today, like his fucking like uh. His... They,
1: they, he didn't release that. That was that was leaked.
0: So there's some this that might be authentic, that might not. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, it might be authentic, or it might, it might just be all right. It might be inauthentic. It might be authentic, or it might be that thing they do where they like they leak a really inflammatory version of something, so everyone loses their minds, and like then they leak a slightly less inflammatory version. So then when every everyone who lost their minds seems like they were just overreacting, when that was when that was the whole plot entirely to yeah. do it but like no and so like but the old people who are voting right now uh i mean the older people, the older Wait, people.
1: by the way that list had like jamie Dimon and all sorts of wall street people and all sorts of uh, bloomberg
0: elizabeth warren bloomberg jamie Dimon. like basically the the whole the whole the whole fucking gang getting back together uh, all over again but no like just just to finish my point like the old people who are voting for like who are voting in record droves for Biden, despite the fact that he wants to cut Social Security, which we know the older black community relies on uh, at a disproportional rate to you know, provide income for them in their like their elderly years. It's like what we're not going to hear from the Democratic Party. What we're not going to hear from like the Democratic Party-aligned media, which we which we would be hearing if this were like a far-right old people voting for like Republicans, is that these older people are voting for against their own interests because like that's what it is, honestly. Like if you're over the age of 65, or if you're like you know, if you rely entirely on Social Security to you know provide a, rather if you rely a lot on Social Security to provide part of your income and you're voting for Joe Biden, uh, who has who has a who has had a career. Of voting cuts to security, you're voting against your own interests. It's like you like just puts point blank, and that's a uh, that's an argument that the Democratic-aligned media is very comfortable making when like Republicans are like, "I want the government to keep their hands off my Medicare or keep their hands off my social, off my Social Security." Like when it's like when it's a way for Democratic Party and their like their aligned interests to you know. Pretend as though like they're the smart party, but this is this is no different. It's no different to vote for uh, for to rely on Social Security and vote and vote for Joe Biden who wants to cut it or is willing to cut it than it is to vote for like a Republican who wants to cut Medicare for all, wants to destroy the ACA and you rely ACA and you rely on it. It's just that the Democratic Party is not allowed to portray their voters as being you know taken advantage of or conned by Democratic Party, and and so it's just going to be a thing that they. It's just going to be a thing that they try to ignore until, of course, Trump brings it up in the in like the general election and points out how he has not cut Social Security, but how Biden wants to. Then the Democrats will get mad that like people are talking about it. Yeah. And the same thing about Joe's dementia or whatever is his cognitive decline we haven't even gotten into that shit yet but no we was, have not <laughs> we're going to talk about Joe Biden's dementia because I will not be fucking silenced as a person with a stutter so Richard you you, you take care of whatever you want to talk about with this what we were just speaking of and then we're going to get into Joe Biden's fucking cognitive decline
2: it speaks to the vulnerability that Biden represents for both the Democratic Party and then himself individually in a theoretical general election in that uh, it, it the long longer arch of the vulnerability that we talked about with uh, Democrats in general of not having an answer to the the challenges or the confrontations presented either from their left or from their right. And uh, and that lack of answer and particularly it not existing in the mainstream corporate media sphere means that the far right answer ends up getting a lot more traction and a lot more acceptability within their and or in that case or in other cases just the the woodish ever narrative is disconnected from reality but maintains the operating narrative that they have in their worldview and i think joe biden's viability and that people are picking on him rather than him that we're witnessing a clear decline in his ability to both articulate his ideas and present them. And then also uh, a physical decline, I guess, uh, which I can understand people, you know, taking advantage of politically to score points, but then also understand the ableist angle as well. Like, uh, I don't think being able to stand is necessarily an important part, but I think if we are going to take seriously the consideration of how like women are viewed either in our, in our country for electoral purposes or viewed on an international stage for uh, international relations, then there's probably some validity to the stature and the ability to stand and so on and so forth uh, as a, Perceived thing in both uh, nationally and then international relations, but uh,
0: my man, does, my man does not have polio. <laughs> he, he, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's just oh He's challenging people to push-up contests.
1: He's he's fully capable of standing there. The problem isn't his ability to stand there.
2: What's happening is is because we're in this weird space where both uh, Democrats have uh, bastardized any the concepts of identity politics and. Co-opted, and course, them to for their own purposes, and we also have uh, the Trump presidency and the administration where they're completely divorced from facts and uh, also supported by approximately half of the voting population. And then uh, we have the far left that is, uh, you know, basically saying, you know this is a mess. And we're trying to explain to you, you, like a lot of the far left is saying that this electoralism was going to fail from the jump. And every time we see a a failed election or or a, you know, these unbelievably disconnected narratives, uh, it's just another example of why this isn't going to be an effective strategy moving forward. But it also presents challenges about, well, what are the alternatives that uh, require deeper analysis that generally isn't something that you can have with uh, somebody that is firmly set in electoral politics without everybody becoming uncomfortable but that's my thought there
0: i have had oh i mean i had a childhood stutter uh and you know years of speech years of speech therapy to correct the more uh excessive elements of it. But like that is like, but and Joe Biden might have had a childhood stutter Like I mean he maybe he did. It doesn't make a difference. That's not the issue here. Just like his not I'm neuroatypical really <laughs> and like fuck this sh- Just like the issue with him not being able to stand is not the fact that he can like his he physically can't stand. It's the reason why he can isn't unable to stand. Right. And I would even go as far as to say like yeah it would be super fucked up to make fun of Joe Biden if he were just some random elderly person who was going through senescence that would be that would be fucked up and like from my perspective i kind of just i, I kind of just wish he was back home in delaware with his family like you know going through his elderly years outside of like this is this is where i'm i guess i'm just like you know an, an age cuck And and so so far like i'm i have a soft spot in my heart for the elderly uh it's just like the damage joe biden has done throughout his career and i said it before it's already been done that's right like you know He should be at home right now, uh, well, you know, with his family, watching television, you know, doing whatever. Not apologizing to anyone. Not apologizing. Not involving on any you know viewpoints, but also like not uh living out his declining years in front of a in front of a televised audience, just so like a handful of consultants don't have to get real jobs, right. I think that's what you you have Joe, who is doing
1: all this, and he's not doing it for Joe, right? I mean, like at this point, I I honestly believe that he probably would go home and just be like, "Okay, well, that's it," because he's already run for president. What fourth? This is his third or fourth time. Seventeenth time. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. This this is exactly what. The, the same people who are backing Joe and forcing him to do this are the same people that were pushing Pete on us. It's the same people who we've been talking about for now uh, years. It's the fucking grift. It's the people who are benefiting the most from the current system, who are trying to do everything they can to keep the current system going in the exact same direction that it is. Maybe with a few tweaks here and there, but in the same general direction. And that's why it's so insidious because it's not just you know a couple of campaign grifters like you mentioned, although they are definitely grifting. Uh, it's the entirety of the economic system and the the social system and everything that we have in place that is a, a basically a system of mass oppression for the world,
0: which is global hegemon- hegemonic empire. Hegemonic, but I appreciate, Godamn. Hegemonic. Thank you, man. No, no, no I'm just, I'm just fuck with you. But no, but even, even beyond that, right? It's just like we're not having a real conversation. so I agree with the things that you're saying, but like we're not even having a real conversation, which was kind of my point about like, is it okay to make fun of old people for like being in cognitive decline because they're old? Because that's like, that's like, oh yeah, sure, we can have that conversation. It's not. You shouldn't make fun of old people. Everyone gets old, and we should respect. Their Again, another asinine thing to have to say on Discord, but, but you know, it's we. I can't even really engage with that level. You know, should we be making fun of somebody who is ha- who's having a difficult time expressing themselves because like they're trying to they're trying to like obscure why that is and the great implications of it like with with some other bullshit you know, and like, and now you have Clyburn coming out saying that he's an, like Joe Biden's an honorary Black man. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's cool, I guess. You know, like maybe he's the world's first intersectional candidate. Move over, Elizabeth Warren. My man is Black and disabled. Come on, come on. Like, if anything, this whole show is bigoted against against fucking Joe Biden's run. Like, he's gonna be the first Black disabled president.
2: It's 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 amazing, really. And I mean, I think it's it the kind of distortion and distraction from the actual substance of the issue about whether Joe Biden is capable and ready is being lost. And uh, it's been pointed out by several people But in the debates, there is already signs that uh, Joe Biden was... Seemingly falling apart or a step behind in a variety of ways, so much so that besides several candidates pointing it out, uh, even Andrea Mitchell of MSNBC pointed it out. Who I would agree is somebody who's you know done a lot of work. I, you can disagree with both her choice and husband, and then also a lot of her reporting. But she's been studious and very you know effective in as a uh, in her job, and uh, she's definitely seen you know the the wearing of age. But as a journalist, she's still able to. Uh, fulfill her duties. But even she was questioning Joe Biden. And I think that that brings out uh, the point that it wasn't something that's just brand new or something that's come out of Trump or being pushed by Russian bots. It was something that was totally acceptable and not not besides the, the cognitive aspect. There's also the political aspect where essentially all of these candidates that are now endorsing him also basically said uh, you don't have to pick me, but we can all agree that it shouldn't be Joe Biden.
1: Morning Joe several months ago was talking about Joe Biden's obvious decline. And now that Joe Biden is like the front runner, Morning Joe is running to his defense saying, no, 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 that's not the case; it's another one of those time-traveling hackers must have put words in his
0: hack his brain and put words in his. But well, no, everyone was talking about Joe Biden's obvious decline. Maybe not to the degree that we all were, but like pretty much every outlet had was saying something about it back when it was back yeah. when it first became clear. Because it was because Joe Biden was just a stopgap solution to prevent Bernie from coming out of the gate with too high of a lead, right? And I still say that Joe Biden is like a like is their last choice. They could not do better than Joe Biden when it came to putting someone against Bernie Sanders. So they had the Jupiter buy- Which
1: is why I think Bloomberg didn't drop out on Super Tuesday.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think I think Bloomberg dropping out on Super Tuesday. I think Warren dropping out on Super Tuesday. We would have seen a lot more, a lot different results. At the same time, I don't want to go past too far past Super Tuesday without saying this because I mean we kind of obscured this. Like the Super Tuesday results. Not to be conspiratorial. No, let's do it. No, they seem illegitimate. I mean, like, no, like, no. Yeah. But like, because based on the exit polls to like the final vote results that we have so far, there is a pretty wide margin between those. Wide enough that it would trigger a reelection or a coup if it happened in the global South. But that's, that would be the rule in the Democratic primary as opposed to the exception to the rule. (laughs)
1: So we in 2014 we literally overthrew the Ukrainian government because there was a two percentage exit poll differential. The State Department actually wrote something up about it, and you, you can see it on their website, where they say that a two percent differential in exit pollings and uh, voting is cause for discrepancy and an immediate audit was, of the vote. There was such a huge an eight point eight percent difference. In Massachusetts, between general election and uh, exit polling, and that was a uh, – I think it was almost a 10-point or more swing for Biden.
0: That, like that, There was such a big discrepancy in the exit poll and final vote tally in South Carolina. I'm surprised they didn't appoint Juan Guaido as the pre- interim president of South Carolina. Right? Yeah. Big, no, like, That's how big the discrepancy was.
1: But, but it was in all across the states like the, there's the same people that basically went through and, and did a lot of studies mathematically of voting in 2016 and beyond. Um, did some of just recently with the uh, the Super Tuesday stuff, and what they discovered was that in places where there was no paper ballots, the discrepancy was well beyond the the margin of error for exit polls, and also with well, well, well outside a point where everything should be audited. And in places where there were paper ballots, it was much,
0: much, much closer. Even, even, even the speed at which the the voters from. Klobuchar and Pudig, Poudig- I keep saying Pudig. Uh,
2: Poudig- <laughs> I pros. feel like it's okay <laughs> now that he's not actually a candidate, but I don't know.
0: He'll he'll, he'll always have. Uh, I was gonna say Clint Buterol but I was thinking of what what's the fake what's the fake Nigerian guy who was born who Chimadu. Anyway, the point I was just gonna make is that like, yeah, even the speed at which they coalesced behind Biden was like unrealistically fast. But going to your point before, it's like we know electoralism in this in Democratic Party primary is kind of like finger on the scale rigged, right? We know that. Like we're like and and like and that was something that we knew from 2016. That was something that, that we knew, at least for sure, before. so coming out of Iowa and everything that happened in Iowa, this was gonna be one of those. And so at the end of the day, all we can really hope to do, if not went outright, is make it so clear that they, that something untoward is going Going on that the party self immolates. However, I would argue that electing Joe Biden is self immolation anyway. You know, like that, like that would. I I think that's a self immolation moment. And and just going to the Super Tuesday results broadly speaking, and I guess we can you know transition to Elizabeth Warren after this. It's like Joe Biden. Is such a mask off moment for me in a different way than sort of Bloomberg was because it's an admission that like the Democratic Party does not even really care about optics anymore. They don't even, Or winning. They don't even care about winning. They don't care about optics. They don't care about like mastering the language of social justice. They, they, they don't even like, you know, we talked about many times in the show how like for them, the symbolic economy of words and rhetoric was like the most, like it has replaced big structural change to so borrow Elizabeth Warren's catchphrase and all other shit to be like their sole selling point that they're smarter and morally better than the Republican Party. But they've abandoned that, too. It's like, honestly, like like Joe Biden feels just like a you just better be happy. It's not Trump moment, but it's hard to make it. The, but it's hard to feel excitement for that because, like, no one does.
2: Well, and when confronted, yeah. about things like, you know, his immigration policy or, you know, essentially you know, the concept of, oh, we'll hold them accountable once, you know, we get this evil out of office. Uh, he basically said, oh, no, you just vote for Trump. You know, like that yeah. literally when confronted with by a voter. So it's he he's. But he's, he himself has made the argument is like, well, if you don't like it, tough shit. Who are you gonna vote for? And the Democratic, Democratic Party right. rallied around it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> but, the party line. I mean, like he literally told the guy who was supporting Pete Buttigieg that you're a Bernie supporter because you like the climate. Fuck off! <laughs> like, yeah, it's. it's
2: crazy. <laughs> and then Pete's like, you know what, guys, you're gonna have to vote for him anyway. So you know, get get with right. it. And so one of the things that I like, I really think it's important for people to really grapple with is the elections are unreliable at best, and the media isn't going to cont- tell you the truth or speak honestly or convey ideas honestly so the real question is then what are you going to do about that more so than uh, you know complain about it happening or pointing it out to people it i think there's got to be a step beyond like beyond that and i think it's worth people consider that uh, continue
1: right and, and it, this is the 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 whole thing about whether or not it's time for the yellow vests we've talked about it before and i, I think that it it is now time to do labor stop- stoppages. It is time to bring this country to its goddamn knees, the way the coronavirus is, forced stoppages
0: of work. You know, br- bring bringing this country to its seated position for a debate. The way uh, <laughs> 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 I'm not going to finish. I'm not going to finish that comfortable not, seated position. I mean, honestly, like that again. This also feels like the Joe Biden moment. Feels like such a re- revelation because, like, it, it's it's that. You know, we talk about this too a lot on the show where it's like how the right wing weaponizes the, the silence around certain topics against the democratic party to suppress their vote it's like like pete again i would argue a lot of his viability was rooted in like again trying to weaponize what made obama popular copying the rhetoric play, blatantly plagiarizing it and a few and using obama voice using obama voice and just generally like doing his best to craft the kind of resume and up in aesthetics of somebody who you would think would be a politician and want to be the president he was like the marco rubio of this race it's like someone who looks and talks like a politician but fails to really distance themselves from the rest of them at the same time though you know and this is why i thought bringing the war was important like warren i would argue proves that the Old style of democratic politics, and also I would say bootleg too. Proves kind of like the old style of democratic politics, or rather, their argument that like you really, really need to master uh, the language of the nonprofit. It's gonna, I'm going to be going to be hard to come up with a good construct for this to like sort of like, project this onto. But I'm going to try do my best, right? Like.
2: Warren, I love tortured analogies, so go ahead. It's not
0: really an analogy, but here's what I'm trying to say. It's like Warren no, was never able to pull together a diverse coalition. It's like, despite the fact that she was con- like continually touting uh, various endorsements or various positive statements from, you know, high up people of color, like at people at the root or various, you know, various surrogates uh, in, in like the people of color, like activist community, never translated to actual activist votes, right? Uh Pete Boogeg, it's hard to even say what the fuck he was about. Right? Mm-hmm. And and like so I I can't really speak to that. Uh same with the other candidates. Uh Biden Biden his purchase in the, in the you know his purchase in the black community his his purchase amongst people of color is again rooted in his proximity to the Obama administration and his proximity to the Democratic power structure which the which you know with a lot of people of color who are rank and file Democrats align heavily to ignoring the fact that Bernie was able to pull in the people of color who are low propensity voters uh or rather re- rephrase that to ignore that Bernie was able to pull in. Low propensity people of color, like Latino, the Latino vote and the you know younger Black vote, and basically just generally a huge, a huge coalition of low propensity voters, including people of color uh, who operate outside of the sort of older Black, uh, you know, ideal minority model Democratic Party, is basically to sacrifice to sacrifice those votes in favor of optics. Right. It's, it's like because if you're not willing to make those same arguments, and those same concessions, sales groups. And you're just going to erase the fact that like you're going to erase how Bernie won them because you have to erase that Bernie won them at all. You're going to find them not coming out for you in the general election. Right. And so a lot of the lessons that people were talking about that Bernie should have learned from like losing Super Tuesday, you know, <coughs> cough, cough, sort of um, like are really not very applicable because they didn't help anyone else. It's like mastering language of intersectionality did not help Elizabeth Warren. Didn't help uh, Pete Buttigieg. Didn't help Kamala Harris. Didn't help. Uh, didn't help Cory Booker. And and fucking Biden can't even master like <laughs> can't even master basic language. I, less- you, you know. I, I think Hillary Clinton put it best when she
1: said Joe Biden is building the same coalition she built in 2016. Of
0: course, Joe. And but but if that's the case, and I mean, besides the damning comment on Terry on electability, it's like if they're capable of pulling together the exact coalition, exact coalition, despite being, you know, more or less running different campaigns apart from the we're running against Trump, it, it speaks to the fact that these voters are just more or less the Democratic Party rank and file voters. And they'll vote all the time. Like, yeah, it's the same coalition that's going to back behind anybody. It's, just, it's, the, it's the coalition who votes for the part, the person who they think is going to win the most because the Democratic Party has more or less you know either explicitly or implicitly chose them. And so like... Trying right. to, oh,
1: no, I was going to say and that, that speaks to Obama's 2008 and 2012 win. His turnout was those people
0: plus and no one is actually addressing the plus and i think that's what you're getting But i one's addressing the plus because there's still this there's still this uh desire to paint the fact that you know you mentioned identity politics in the past. The person who coined that phrase endorsed Bernie Sanders, right? But that's been erased from the story too in favor of like painting all minorities the older black vote because that allows them to craft the narrative about minorities being so heavily in line with the Democratic Party and identifying Democratic Party success as one-to-one with racial equality when that's simply just not the case. That's not, that's not the lesson that should be learned from like what happened in South Carolina. It's not the lesson that should be learned from any of these votes and they're going to be leaving these votes on the table. But I'd be honest, you know, even the narratives coming out of, Super Tuesday, like the the youth vote failed to turn out the youth vote, etc. Like no one really wanted to talk about like the six hour, seven hour long lines in these polling places. And what that means about the Democratic Party failing to address voter suppression in 2016. And what that's going to mean for a general election when like people aren't going to be willing to wait, you know, six, seven hours in line again.
2: And I, mean, I right. think one of the important aspects to like remind us all about is just that when it comes to choosing electability, the establishment is basically always wrong. Like Obama was an aberration in that he was not the preferred establishment candidate until he uh, upset them because he essentially out-organized and out-strategized Hillary Clinton. And it's like, and before that, you know, when when the establishment pick does win the nomination, they lose the presidential race. Like,
1: hundred percent. But that's the point. I argue that's the point.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's it, in some ways you see, and uh, I think uh, Leslie made this point on, online, essentially, uh, or at least implicitly, is that you see a lot of the kind of professional wrestling narrative of the heel in US politics where, and like consistently losing is kind of a gig. Well,
0: yeah. it's
1: kind of a- and it's a gen- it's a money generating one. And it also prevents you from actually having to govern, especially when you get into my theory about the Powell memo, which is that you guys have read the Powell memo. It basically dictated that America has to see a massive decline in the middle class wages in order to compete worldwide, Um, and I think the Democrats believe that. I think that the majority of the people who are running the party, honest to God, believe that, that in order to compete with places like China or Singapore or Thailand, we actually have to lower the quality of life of American workers to get them down to that level in order to compete economically with these places. And that the, the middle class in America was an aberration that needs to kind of go away a little bit. And so
2: if, well, if you look at the trade deals, the- you see this – I was just going to say, you, you see that, like you see that kind of belief and you see that they essentially kind of mask it or, uh, Cape or, or like, uh, I don't know, uh, surround it with the idea that this is actually more equitable. Social, this, this is making society more equitable, but it's really a race to the bottom rather than lifting the people. And, and they're also extracting the wealth to be concentrated among fewer and fewer people. So it's like. They're able to articulate it in a way that sounds good, but the real the policy that is actually being enacted is the antithesis to what they're actually kind of saying. But I think that you're right that to them, I think that they don't even see that in that way necessarily, but they genuinely believe that they're making a more equitable world, even though they're exploiting the world for their own personal benefit.
1: Correct. And I think that like the way you can look at that is, uh, for a perfect example, is the way Clinton sold NAFTA about benefiting Mexican farmers when in reality it wiped them out. Um, and they and people in the Clinton administration knew that and were telling the Clintons this, and they said no, no, no. And, and I think that that's that's purposeful. So when you you get to this whole idea that you know you're you're talking about the use of intersectional language or the rhetoric in order to mask their true intentions, I think that that's the the establishment picking the middle of the lane uh, candidate, which always loses, is also masking their true intentions because if they pick the candidate that would win, they would have to govern. And we saw what happened when Obama tried to govern. He compromised from the very beginning on every single position. He hired people like Timothy Geithner to run the economy. Like, this is what they did.
2: And it was Democrats that shut down the public option.
1: Right. It was the exact same thing that the Republicans had been doing, but it was couched in different language. So it's harder to run off of that and to win off of that when you're constantly fucking people over. I mean, in my home state, which is generally hugely Democratic, everybody hates our governor. And that's because our governor constantly fucks people over in essence for these things, creating public private partnerships, um, doing exporting work that should be done in state to out of state. Like all of these things are are things that the Democrats honestly believe in because it's it's furthering that principle that we talked about, about the decline of the middle class. And yet it's hugely unpopular. So when you actually have to govern and you govern according to those principles and that ideology, you're completely fucked because then you, you don't have anything to stand on, much like we're seeing Joe Biden. His entire legislative career is garbage.
2: Electorally, we saw that with uh, Obama having huge uh, margins uh, in the House and the Senate, uh, failing to be able to pass the kind of legislation people were expecting based off his campaigning and proceeding to lose a thousand plus seats nationally. And Joe Biden was right there watching all of that happen.
0: Right. And then we're not just talking at the federal level. We're talking
1: about state houses across the country. We're switching
0: overnight but they barely even mentioned that like honestly Joe and that's why I say uh Barack Obama would, did a massive disservice but also service the Democratic Party it's like no one barely people barely noticed how bad Democratic Party was doing when, when Obama was president because he was like he was theoretically everything that they were working towards like just him being there so a lot of the things that he was trying right. to do kind of take a, took a took a back seat in people's minds so well we got him there and what are we going to do but I mean I agree with what you're saying sort of but also disagree a little bit and so far as like I don't think they necessarily pick people who who want to lose on purpose, or they have, you know, rather, I mean, governing might be an issue for them. I think more often than not, it's that losing the presidency losing to a trump figure and this is we're seeing you know we're seeing the specifics of that right now is not the worst thing that can happen to them like losing to a trump figure losing to a far-right maniac like trump or ted Cruz or whatever is not, not they generate money it's not an existential crisis to their to their party and it's like that just creates a more immediate reason for people to vote for someone like joe biden like, you know you can you made the point that joe biden has run for president four times it's like or three times rather it's like yeah he's run for president three times and Every time the bar gets lower for a Democratic Party president, it's like every time Joe Biden runs, the bar gets lower and lower and lower about what we're allowed to expect from a candidate from like, hey, you can't plagiarize or you can't plagiarize. And now it's like you don't even have to remember where you are most of the time. You don't have to give you don't even have to give an eight minute long speech without misremembering uh, the events of apartheid South Africa to center yourself in them as going to jail with, M- with Mandela. It's like Joe Biden is a living or you can
2: land. fuck up your own name.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> who doesn't love an Obiden biden democrat you know like i i loved i love the Obiden biden bomber years like isn't they
2: yeah the enthusiasm he said the bomb apart was just just throwing
0: it going no that's where joe biden's campaign is revealing too it's like joe biden like joe biden has gotten worse but our standards have also gotten lower joe biden hasn't gotten better he hasn't evolved then like that is just a thing people say and have noticed say when because democratic party democratic party uh candidates tend to be so shitty so like they just say oh yeah joe biden's evolved on these things even as joe biden is saying like i haven't evolved on shit i haven't learned anything if anything i hate black people
2: even more than i did (laughs) for all the things hey, that we talk about strategically i think bernie sanders somehow finding a way to bring Niger to the front forefront of the conversation so it gets brought up in the in, as a topic and joe biden at some point has to read it off a teleprompter maybe mm-hmm. his best strategy to win the the nomination i mean- I'll, I'll <laughs> <just say it. laughs>
1: You see the dentist who talked about going into battle with the coronavirus. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: hell yeah! I love I love that man. See, like, you guys just don't understand. She will <laughs> she understand that the only good death is the death in battle. You know, the Nordic people, the Vikings. It's like mm. they, rather, not only the Vikings, but I want to say the the Mayans or the Aztec. Of South America, uh, or rather, you know, of the first nations in the, what we now call South America. You know, like they thought the worst kind of death was the death that you face from, like, you know, laying in bed from old age or sickness. That's interesting. To hell or like the the hell of water. I do not remember enough of my <laughs> my <laughs> South American <laughs> mythology. But like that, that's that's part. That's partially true, definitely. But like my, my my other point was mostly just was mostly this. It's like the Democratic Party is is going through like growing pains now to see what exactly they have to actually promise their, what they need to do to actually win an election. It's like Joe Biden hasn't mastered the language of intersectionality. And this, and like, that's what mind flooded fucking, um, uh, Elizabeth Warren is the thing she was doing so well, because she had adopted all the language that the, you know, Kerry Clinton campaign said that it needed to win the black vote. When again, they were operating on the same inertia that Joe Biden was operating on. And it did nothing for the war campaign, because that's the kind of language that appeals to the, you know, the, the grass tops activist, nonprofit, black industrial complex, but not really no, necessarily the, you know, the working class black, like, like Richard and ourselves. And I will say, you know, just to clarify another point, because we've had we've had a little bit of confusion from our listeners about like how we feel about the specific language of intersectionality and academic theory when it comes to like critical race theory, identity politics. I don't really care. I'm not a stickler for language, and I think this is the point that I, and this I can make this point while loop, looping in the Bernie Sanders, uh, his success amongst Latino and younger Black voters. It's like when i speak to the like the like the fact that i'm not a stickler about language my only point is that like it's not so much the language you use it's the phenomenon that you're describing right it's like the reason why elizabeth warren's master of intersectionality did not mean anything is because like it was more of a way to signal to a very specific population that she was you know essentially skilled with speaking the language of race it's like but but it wasn't really aimed at the words, the people who that language was meant to describe it was meant to it was you know intended towards like the you know like the pundit blacks and the you know the academic blacks and like the professors of critical race theory but those people cannot necessarily deliver you like your everyday black you know rank and file black votes and we've been guilty or i've been guilty of saying you know that bernie sanders is not fluent in the language of race and i usually mean that although sometimes you know before like before 2020 it was like it was more true but i meant that more in an academic way but if you look at the how well he appealed to people of color latinos uh young black people it becomes impossible to argue he's not capable of describing the phenomenon of the intersection of race you know for lack of a better term the 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 ways race and class uh interplay within our society, with our cultural structure in a way that resonates with a large portion of the Black community. And so really what we're talking about is that there's a certain portion of the activist Black, you know, the, the, the bougie PMC, POC and white culture that just won't be happy with how you appeal to black people unless you do so with the language that centers them and their expertise in it it's like if you know if and i mean we see that with their refusal to acknowledge that bernie sanders is doing well with most people of color too and, and it's because like they don't view him speaking to the material concerns of people of color and looping in language of race in a, in a sort of just a more functional way as being legitimate because that's not what they've been taught that they have to and they need to and it's about validating them with the language that they've learned and that they Have prioritized as the way to speak to people of color, but that's just not like the way most people of color are interested in speaking. I don't care. You know, I'll put this way and go even to go long. It's like gravity, right? The term gravity is meant to describe the force that exists that attracts, you know, objects in space together that are massive based on a proportion of their mass and how far they're blah 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 blah. It's like. even if you don't call it gravity, that force still exists. Just like the inter, the, the way the race and class overlap in our society and create different, you know, different burdens on people does exist. You don't have to call it intersectionality, but you do have to speak to it. And there is it is true that some people, just like there are some people who. Only one who don't care if you're actually talking about the phenomenon but just want you to use the language, there are people who don't who just don't want you to speak about the phenomenon. And I think that's where we're at was where the phenomenon is important. And, and a, the phenomenon is important and being able to describe and address it is important. What language you use is only as important as, as as your ability to reach the people who it describes. It's like if you're just using intersectionality or whatever to appeal to like the grass tops you know, African, you know, activist blacks or like, you know,
2: the root writers,
0: then it doesn't matter. Then fuck it. Doesn't, then, then you're not using it for the right reasons. <laughs> like, like it's just, it's just to show yeah. it's just to show white people that, show that you're cool.
2: As I fully agree with that. And I think uh, i I probably get on it more than uh, most, but for me, like I, I fully agree with all that. And the only counter I have in, in my mind is just that then I also saw on Twitter, somebody saying essentially that's followed by various people that would put themselves on the left, uh, saying that intersectionality was like an FBI fucking plot or whatever. And it's just like, Every, yeah, it, no. th- it's just to say that just like, there's a, like, there's a susceptibility to speaking to the frustrations caused by that uh, bastardization of intersection. Functionality used by the PMC and so on and so forth, and that, that kind of that doesn't care about actually doing anything about the phenomena but using the language. The When you don't actually address that, uh, as some people have chosen to do, then what it does is it, it, it allows space for that kind of right. Uh, what I would view as a rightist kind of rhetoric and explanation to take root. And so I think it's important to, to demonstrate the kind of explanation that you did. So it addresses the concern of people that are like, I'm sick of having you know people throw in, mis- like misusing a term or something at me to undermine a political agenda that is meant to, ser- like, to serve us both. Uh, but then also... Uh, that recognizes that there is a serious issue about the phenomenon about the intersectionality of race and class and so on and so forth That needs to be uh, at the forefront of the mind because those points I've raised several times uh, about how it's uh, not impossible to build a uh, a more equitable society that's based off of uh, marginalizing and oppressing people that are out of their, that society's site which exists uh, currently in a variety of nations around the world already and the United States doing it could be uh, set a precedent and then also set a uh, a kind of organizational framework that could devastate and uh, uh doom countless people essentially
0: well i mean just to just to address your point real quickly and i, I agree but i think a lot of it is like it's going to sound mean but a lot of the dismissal of intersectionality as the term if not like the phenomenon of like race and class intersecting uh is because people don't like a lot of people like they just don't like when you talk about things that they're not experts in either. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. this is, and this is the same phenomenon as liberals who only want you to use the word. It's like, some people just don't want you to talk about something that they are not experts in and that don't, that don't center them. And it's like, again, if you understand that like intersectional is this one, one word that we use to describe a very specific phenomenon, then you can understand like the genealogy there. It's like people were describing that same phenomenon before the word intersectional existed. Uh, you know, like the, what do you call it? Like, uh, you know, like the ways in which various identities intersect with like culture and race and rather culture and economics and uh, class position and social position and stereotypes has been, you know, a matter of discussion for Hundreds of years, Marx talked about it too, his work, right? You know, maybe not with exactly with the same language we have today, but the phenomenon was always under investigation. And that's why you can say, hey, you know what? Like it, I said before, like it doesn't surprise me that Bernie Sanders speaks about the intersection of race and class the way he does, because like that's just the way people talked about it back in the day they-
2: the example that comes to my mind is like women holding the i am a man sign during civil rights protests is like it it kind of in my mind visually captures kind of the the it, the lack of uh how that was uh, framed at that time, but that the uh, if you look at the women in those movements at the time, you find out that the, the ideas and the phenomena was very uh, much at the forefront of the discussion. Continue.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's basically it, right? So like, it's about like, you know, there has to be a way to disaggregate the people who are like, okay, well, I have a real practical argument about whether or not this language is functional and useful and appealing to like mass political movements because of like the fact that it does have like, you know, not that people can't read a book about intersection. Nationality, or can't read a book about race in class or gender in class or whatever or history or just theory broadly speaking you know it's just like most people aren't going to it's like most people on twitter don't read either it's like they read like the cliff notes so it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't matter Like the, the you know the main point of language is communicate at least for me because i'm all just functional about it because i'm kind of slow like it's about communicating the idea like if you can communicate the idea successfully then you can then like you have you've mastered you've mastered the point of the language like it's like and but like they've tried to loop biden's conversation as though like biden has mastered some language and that therefore you can learn from biden's biden's success within the black community but you really can't because arguably that success would have gone to anyone who a democratic party laid as having like the electability of the inertia or being aligned with the you know the the like rather the the ideals of the party so like there's no real lesson in biden well, right. well,
1: But anyone else who got on television
0: yeah. Anyone, anyone who also got all that positive, you know, who got all that positive uh, coverage into a Democratic Party was like, this is the real Democrat. We've all called us behind him. So if you consider yourself to be a Democrat, like cultural Democrat, I vote Democrat all time. Don't really think about what they stand for. Going to vote Democrat, you know, th- Project my project my ideas onto that brand, then yeah, you're gonna like you're gonna vote for Joe Biden.
2: And the lesson for me for Biden is just that like you have to bend the knees. like if you're not uh, uh, obsequious and you know servile to the party, then they're not gonna get behind you. And if they don't get behind you, you don't win. Doesn't matter if you have better ideas and a massive grassroots movement. They control the levers of power and they will use them to stop you. And so that's yeah. the lesson for me. All
0: right. I mean, now I- eight
1: percentage difference in uh, exit polls in Massachusetts with no uh, paper ballots or no one calling for an audit is a
0: perfect example. Well, I mean, and I think, and that's the other issue with this too. Like I said, I don't think that they, they pick a candidate who they think is going to lose. I think they pick a candidate who they realize, like, win or lose, they're, they're going to win.
1: But that candidate invariably
0: fucking loses because that candidate doesn't speak to anything and it doesn't turn out the necessary voters that they need. Maybe he loses, maybe he wins, but whether win or lose, they're able to have a scapegoat. It's never their fault because there's already a built-in narrative. for why always There's always a built-in narrative for why Joe Biden is going to lose because they're, they're going to pretend like no one has been saying that Joe Biden is in mental decline for months. They're going to pretend that like people like us haven't been saying, hey, Joe Biden has all of these skeletons in his closet. He it's like running Hillary Clinton, but like with none of the positive characteristics. What are you doing? This is self-destructive. They're going to say, when no one said anything, oh my God, how can you be divisive? And then when Trump break, tries to run to the left on Joe Biden, on social security, on national on crime, on immigration, maybe even on healthcare, if he wants to just destroy the Democratic Party, they're going to be pulling their hair, off, hair out and wondering how could this have happened? Like, why didn't anyone say anything? It must be Bernie Sanders' fault. And the people who make money off of this are going to get, be fine. It's like, I don't think everyone in it is like, Actively, like, you know, trying to like, enact a power memo, although some people definitely are, John. I think some people in it just don't see themselves or have as, some people's political ideology just doesn't move further than, like, well, what's good for me, including having a position with a, a guaranteed job in the Democratic Party, is what's good for society. It's not even about like stopping the tide of, of creeping fascism. It's like, well, you know what? If fascists, if like fascists are unveiling Nazi flags at the Bernie Sanders rally to own those Bernie bros, then I guess I'm going to be. I'm with them going to be a nazi too it's like they like it's just a very myopic sense of like politics and if, if, if it causes them like you said to have what well, right, rather causes some people the people who aren't like actually materially benefiting from this and who are actually going to be like i said voting against their own interests because if biden cuts social security a lot of people who rely are going to suffer who would otherwise be voting for him i mean who are going to vote for him it's like that's treated as like well you know uh, like, what could we do we had to make the pragmatic argument because the you know republicans were going to cut it and they wanted to cut all of it it's like it's They've developed all these scapegoats why nothing is ever their fault. And not only is nothing ever... and It it relies on them being impeded on all sides by, by Republican obstructionism or Bernie Sanders. And going back to the whole argument of corruption versus incompetence versus malice versus whatever, it's like they rely on the incompetence or the lack of the lack of strength of power argument and no one ever says like, Hey, well, you know, if you guys cannot lean on the state and local municipalities enough to get them to enact you know, essentially fair elections in your own primaries. Why would I even bother supporting your power? Like you in positions of power, because you're going to lose Republican because you're not even willing to fight for like the structural tools to make sure that you don't get fucking rolled because they benefit you in the primary. It's like that was the thing that kind of like blew my mind. Where it's like, oh, it's not cheating to not make sure the primaries run well and smoothly because you know the people who are going to suffer most are going to be most likely to be you know people like student for Bernie or people of color. It's like, but that's going to have an effect on the general election that you're theoretically trying to win. But again, it's more important to beat Bernie than it is to win the general election. It's like, I don't care if they can like literally just snap their fingers and make the polling places work properly. They should have been literally pulling out all the stops they had to make them work properly.
2: Well, yeah. And, and so you also see that reflected in the lack of uh, like uh, voter registration efforts and why the Democrats that do control the state and local houses haven't uh, enacted automatic enrollment in every situation that they have power and so on and so forth and like because it what it does is it undermines their ability yeah and and like you know having college polling places actually be functional and stuff is previously because the democratic party had a lock on uh you know those voters voting for the establishment candidate uh college polling, like it was very important to both register people at colleges and then make sure that they could vote. But now uh, the Democrats have essentially adopted the same positions that Republicans have because they, as you mentioned, benefit them in the primary versus, uh, but then they naturally have consequences in the general because those people are still, you know, going to be the ones that are going to generally vote for the Democratic candidate, except now they're going to struggle to be able to vote because you've allowed polling places to be closed. You've allowed, you know, uh, districting to be redrawn in ways that uh, is beneficial for you and in the short term in the primary aspect, but not in the long term in a general election aspect. And it becomes more about a cynical self-interest uh, of maintaining your own personal power than it does actually serving any good or providing any services to the people that vote you into power.
0: And speaking of all this, I did want to talk about a little bit more about Elizabeth Warren, because like, I was...
3: is royalty, bang bang.
4: Got your bitch laying naked across the bed, no rosary stacking up this bread like a baker. Josephine, she wanna refill, so I get that hoe be Niggas on the sideline yelling, who the fuck is see? Bitch, I'm at Gonis, you can call me Cody B. I drove overseas, passports all over me, white leather seats looking like coca leaf, every time I crank up the whip I'm sitting on the key, I'm gucci buckled up, house snow on my feet, linen button up like I'm walking around on the beach, blind hoes notice me, And my range row with jeep, so they wanna come and talk to me like Joe to see them smoking in the morning, and when I go to sleep, blowing presidential man I think they about to vote for me, in the VIP we party like a friend, no with shit If money ain't a couple, you ain't need poster. If you ain't cash, don't say shit In the VIP we champagne spray shit I'm in the club looking like a bank statement If you talkin' cash, I can make arrangement Walked in the club, ain't pay shit Bro niggas hate, cause they ain't shit I'm gettin' to the cash pockets on
3: payment if you talkin' money, I can make a range with Cody. Cody Bean Senior, pushing mean ether. You don't know childish, nigga mean neither. East side, Atlanta, flyers, nigga in a Waffle House. If it ain't money, man, we ain't got shit to talk about. Kennedy Compound, my 20-room house. So big, my ex-girls ain't gotta move out. If you ain't talkin' cash, don't say shit. Bank account looking like when little kids break shit. Ooh. If I'm breathing, I can handle it. Watching all my dreams get together like an ampersand Blue blueprint the new shit Mixtape management Show these dummies how to do it All I want's my 10% Porsche brand new Pass them a cool honey Yeah, my girl 5'2 Even her growth stunted Is that nigga y'all knew? Back when I flipped meal cards Now my meal's free when I don't taste the fifth star We can make arrangements Old money Cambridge Meeting with the moguls make them richer And they owe you it's the kid you used to talk about I'm watching people get up on I'm world star and I ain't have to have a nigga moment. Flows always cold, keep the whole soul anemic. Never left that hard shit. A nigga always constipated. Got to change for my cousin. On oh, froze, no more moving weight. Flossin', flossin' hard, ice king, no more fin and j. Love or hate, you gotta say the hype of something handsome. As long as all of them blogging, I'm living Richard Branson. Shit, talk is still talk. Haters on my billboard. Used to take the Q home. Now I hang with schoolboys, so iconic. Black Kennedy, this shit. Man, Man I'm so ironic, man this ratchet need a fix dropping new shit And the haters get the splash back, don't be surprised when he ask you where the cash If you ain't, ain't talking cash, don't say shit, in the VIP we champagne
4: spray shit I'm in the club looking like a bank statement, if you talking cash I can make arrangements Walked in the club, ain't pay shit, broke niggas hate, cause they ain't shit I'm getting to the cash pockets on payment if you talking money, I can make arrangements.